0: This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from a Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Authority is delegated power, and its value depends on the force that is back of the user. And then we said that Jesus, who is God the Son, conferred the authority upon us, and therefore God Himself is the force. The corporation that's behind our authority. You must never forget that. Jesus is the one who said in Luke 10, 19, that I give unto you authority. So he gave it to us. And he was speaking for his father. So the father gave it to us. I mean, you can't get any higher than that. That's the almighty God we're talking about. You can't get higher than the most high. Amen. So God is the force. He is the corporation he is the person that stands back of our authority praise God number 6 this is in relation to the last point the basis of our authority as believers the basis of our authority as believers the basis of our authority as believers is the resurrection the basis of our authority as believers is the resurrection and seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father. Well, you're going to see that in your test, but it's not about your test. It's about the real test of life, right? Even though you need to pass the school test. The basis of our authority as believers is the resurrection and seating, seating, seating. You know, have you seated him? Seating. S-E-A-T-I-N-G. How God seated Jesus. The basis of our authority as believers is the resurrection and seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father by God himself. The basis of our authority as believers is the resurrection and seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father, by God himself. What do we mean by that? Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 19. Ephesians 1 from 19. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards the world, or towards us who believe? So the exceeding greatness of God's power is at work towards the believer. Now, the greatest display of God's power that has ever been known was what was walked. He says, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That was God's mightiest act. The resurrection of Jesus by the Father. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, who raised him from the dead? Notice he said, from verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, so it's talking about the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Then he goes on to say, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? So, he is there, is God. What is the exceeding greatness of God's power towards us who believe, according to the working of God's mighty power, which he walked, which he wrought, which he put in display in Christ, When He, God, raised Jesus from the dead and set Jesus at His own right hand in the heavenly places. So who raised Jesus from the dead? God did. Who set Jesus at His own right hand? God did. Now, that right hand that He set Him, so that we understand where that right hand is and what that right hand is all about, it says, Far above all principality and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And God has put all things, all those principalities and any other thing, under the feet of Jesus. And God gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So it was God that raised him. It was God that seated him at his right hand. And at that right hand that God seated him was far above all the forces of hell. Now, anybody here who writes letters and chapters and verses? Anybody here? You want to write a letter? You want to write an email? Or you want to send somebody a WhatsApp message? I say, okay. my guy, chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to know that, you see, uh, that thing I told you to do, verse 2. I want you to do it like this. Verse 3. Anybody who does that here? You do emails in chapters and verses. You send letters in chapters and verses. Well, Paul isn't any different from us. The book of Ephesians, as well as the entire Bible, originally wasn't in chapters and verses. It was for the sake of reference that those things were put in the chapters and verses. So originally, it was just a simple, straight discourse. Are you listening? So... Verse 23 actually dovetails into chapter one, verse uh, chapter two, verse one, where it says, And you have he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins. So it actually reads like this and has put all things under his feet, and gave gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And you and if you notice, if you have a King James version of the Bible, hath he quickened? Is in italics. Am I correct? It's in italics. Well, you can see it's in bracket there. Indicating that it's in italics. Anytime any word is in italics, in the King James Version, it wasn't there in the original. The translators added it to help the meaning. So actually, this originally reads, And you who are dead in trespasses and sins. And you what? What is and me? You see, the verb that this and you is talking about is in verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And you who are dead in trespasses and sins. Because you see, the far above all principality and power is talking about that right hand in heavenly places. Where he said Jesus. So when he actually raised Jesus, he raised you. When he seated Jesus at his right hand, he seated me. He seated us. He seated the church. Well, in case you don't see it clearly yet, let's go to chapter the same chapter 2. In verse 5, it says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, quickened there means made alive, have made us alive together with Christ. So when Christ was made alive was when we were made alive. We were made alive together with him. By grace he has saved. Verse 6, and has raised us up together. So when Christ was raised up, we were raised up. And made us sit together. When Christ was seated, that's when we were seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You will see that. The basis of this authority is actually the resurrection and the sitting of Christ at the right hand of the Father. We are identified with Christ. We are identified with him in the finished work of redemption. Two words that are very important that we understand. One is identification. The other is substitution. We were identified with him. We are identified with him. You see, Jesus died in our stead. When he was made sin, he was made sin with our sin. When he was crucified, Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. So we were crucified with him. When he died, we died with him, Romans 6. When he was buried, we were buried with him. It's like this, were you in the garden of Eden? Were you? I wasn't. But in another sense, I was. I was in the bosom of Adam, and so were you. You were in his loins when he ate it. In the same way, was I physically on the cross? No. But I was on that cross, because I am identified with him in what he did. He did it in my stead. The Bible says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now let's see some scriptures that illustrate this thing about identification and substitution some more. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'll read from verse 12. Romans 5, 12 to 21. It says, wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, Sin entered into the world, and death, spiritual death, by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Do you see that? We're identified with Adam in his sin. 13 now says, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So God could impute impute sin. He put the law there. The law was made so that sin might appear ex- exactly what it is, sin. And so that God gave man the law so he could see that if this is God's righteous requirement, I can measure up. And God would say, yeah, I already knew that. I just needed you to see it. And this is my solution. It's Jesus. Well, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, this infers that there was a cessation Of the reign of death after Moses. Now, he couldn't be talking about physical death. Because after Moses, people still continue to die physically. So the death he's referring to here couldn't be physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Nevertheless, spiritual death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned. After the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Now, of course, when the law came, there was the priesthood. There was an atonement made for sin. So that man's sin nature, as well as the sins he had committed, could be covered. Now you know there was a year of ato- day of atonement every year. We read about that in Leviticus 16. And then there were two goats. The, the high priest cast lots. First he offered a sin offering for himself. After doing that, he took these two animals, he cast lots. One was the Lord's scapegoat. Then, under great precaution, he slaughtered that one... You see, the high priest, there was a chain that was attached to his waist. Hmm? There was a bell that kept ringing when he was alive. He went into the Holy of Holies once a year. He crossed that veil, got in. Why a chain was attached is that he could die. He could die if he had violated the terms he was meant to keep. He could die. But if he died, you dare not go there and pick him up. You died too. God's presence was fearful, dreaded. So a chain was attached. If you stop hearing the bell ringing, it shows that uh, Yahweh don't gas. You know, trouble has happened. You know, once the bell stops ringing, then what you do is, hey, my guy, Alpha, Alpha, no resistance. Hey, he don't kill her. Then what they did was that they would pull him out, pull out his dead body. Are you listening? well, he went to that Holy of Holies just once a year. It took the blood of that animal. In that Holy of Holies, there was an Ark of the Covenant. In that Ark, there was the uh, tablets of stone, the law, the Ten Commandments. There was Aaron's rod that budded. And then there was a pot of manna. Now, God, the main thing in that Ark was the law, those Ten Commandments, that they kept breaking, they kept breaking, they kept breaking. So God now put the mercy seat on top of that Ark. And then there were the cherubims, that their angels overshadowed that mercy seat. So what uh, the high priest did was that he took that blood of that animal and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. So that when God looks from heaven and is trying to look at his law that had been broken, he saw it through the eyes of the shed blood of that innocent animal and it acted as a covering For their sins that they had committed. And then they had a covering for the next one year. And then the other animal, he laid hands on it. He confessed the sins of Israel on that animal. All their sins over the past year. And then that one was taken into by the hands of a fit man. To a land not inhabited. And left to wander and to die there. Are you listening? You see? So there was that. There was provision that was made. And because of that provision... There was a cessation of the reign of, of the absolute reign of spiritual death. God could bless them. God could do certain things for them. God could fight for them. They had a covenant. They had some rights. They had some privileges. That's what that's talking about. Now verse 15. It says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one man, of one, many be dead, much more of grace of God, And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Spiritual death because of Adam. Adam is that one. Because of Adam's offense, how he disobeyed God in the garden of Eden. Death, spiritual death reigned, seized the sovereignty. Spiritual death became the absolute monarch of the human race, became the one in charge, and began to wield sin, wield bad habits, wield poverty, death, sickness, disease, all kinds of evil, because spiritual death was now the monarch, was now the CNC, was now the one in charge was now master of mankind because of Adam's sin. Spiritual death reigned by Adam. Much more, much more, they, talking about us, believers in Christ, who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, when did that happen? At our new birth. Shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So who is to reign? We are to reign. So someone said, Jesus is three, yes, he's our Lord, but he has given us the authority so that we can reign in this life. Someone said, yes, we're going to reign in the street by and by. That's true, but listen, you don't have to wait till the street by and by to start reigning. There are some songs we sing. Some of them are good, lovely songs. Some of them aren't good. You know, there's a song. <laughs> Remember a friend of mine who was singing this song. Creating me a clean heart, O God. And create the renewal right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Now I know some of these songs, they sound good. You know, you might have shed a few tears over them. But listen, if you need God to create a a new heart in you, you ought to get saved. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.24, And I've put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Someone was quoting one time, he said, The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? was talking to believers. Listen, that wasn't written about believers. The recreated human spirit has the life and the nature of God in it. You know, know, there's this song. You know, oh God, just build me a cabin in the corner of Glory Land. Now, God doesn't have cabins in Glory Land. There are mansions there. In another one, here I wander like a beggar through the heat and the cold. First, I'm not a beggar, I'm a king. Second, I'm not wandering amen i saw one one day you know him now take the name of jesus with you child of sorrow and woe soon as i saw it i put it down i said that's not me i'm not the one it's not talking about me yes i'm to take the name of you but i'm not a child of sorrow i'm not a child of woe see but we sing some of these things so much we even shed a tear or two over them and we feel good you know but it's not a spiritual good really it's an emotional good you know, because they're not doing us any good. We sing them and sing them and sing them and sing them until we believe them. You know, when we get to heaven at the marriage supper, when the saints are gathered at the last assembly, no more heartbreaking, so no more sad, sad, sad parting, farewell to sorrow, victory at last. Hmm. Hmm. Well, depending on what you mean by that. Depending on what you mean by that. If you mean that, well, we will now have victory over death. That's true. Physical death is the last enemy that we put underfoot. And the time will come when it will be have been put underfoot. But if you're talking about the fact that that's when we will have victory. You know the book of Revelation talks about some people in heaven that they cried. You will be one of them. Who, you know why? When you see what you should have been enjoying. When you see the victory, you should have been walking in. And you now get to heaven. And you now meet people like me. And we are now sharing our victory stories. You say, sure. I don't cheat myself. You understand? You don't have to wait to heaven to get victory. The Bible says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't say we will be more than conquerors. It says we are. You know, you know some people think eternal life. Eternal life means living forever. If eternal life means living forever, the devil has it. Because he's going to live forever in the lake of fire. Eternal life doesn't mean living forever. Life, the life of God is eternal. Spiritual death also is eternal. Amen. Man is an eternal being. Spirits are eternal. They don't cease to exist. Are you listening? You know, some people think we will have eternal life then. You know, we will have redemption then. Yeah, thank God for then. But all this pushing everything to the future, putting everything to the future. What about now? Romans 5, 17 says we shall reign in life. In this life, we are to reign as kings. As kings by one, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are to reign. You are a king. You are a king. You are a king. Ask your neighbor, are you king in yeah, a New English word. <laughs> Should be raining. Raining! 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 Rain when you talk about a king, the first thing that comes to your mind is it slavery. When you talk about a king, the first thing that comes to your mind, is it a papa? No. Ah. Jesus said, "You know, what went he out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind? What went here in the wilderness to see a man clothed in soft raiment? He said, "Those who wear soft raiment, they are found in kings' palaces." My guy, you are a king. You are not a popper. You are a king. You are to reign. You are to reign, reign over sin, reign over demons. Someone asked me, "said You know, in my sleep I dream, and sometimes a dog chases me. What should I say? I said, Chase the dog back. Yeah." A car is chasing me. Kill the car. Eat it up. Yeah. Chase the car too. Stop running. Turn back and say, stop that. If ordinary car is the one chasing you. Oh, they were very risky. No, you shouldn't be running. We are kings. We are kings. We are kings. kings. We're to reign. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says where the word of a king is, there is power. We're kings, we're not paupers, we're not slaves to sin. We're not slaves to sickness. We're not slaves to demon activity. We're not slaves to depression. We're not slaves to problems. We're not slaves to the devil. See, once upon a time, hmm, the devil was the master, he was our boss. But you see, things don't change. Are you listening? Level don't change. You are now the king. He is now the one who is your subject. We now have authority over him. Now we kick him around the way we want. Just kick him around. If you got a message for him, tell him, Mr. Nothing, listen up. Because that's who he is. He's Mr. Nothing. Because Jesus defeated him. Jesus defeated him. Well, we're in verse 17. Let's continue reading. It says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, that one was Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. You can see that now. That's talking about identification and substitution. Because of Adam... Judgment came upon everybody to condemnation. Now, because of Jesus, the free gift has also come on everybody so that we can be made righteous. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, Even so, my grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. See, there's something about dominion. Something about dominion. Universal man has always longed for a restoration of his lost dominion. Any primitive people you find anywhere, they have this golden past when they had dominion. And this golden future when they believe dominion will be restored it's the faith of universal man reaching toward god that made the incarnation a possibility and man has also known that something about the restoration of that dominion has something to do with him being in union with god that if only man could ever be in union with god his dominion will be restored and he's correct see that thinking it's not far from the communion table. The blood covenant is something known by any primitive people anywhere. Adam must have known about it and he must have taught his, his, um, his, his generation, the people that were born, you know, his descendants. So that knowledge is all over the earth among primitive people. You see them, they will take an animal. They will offer the animal on the altar of their god. They believe that the moment they offer that animal on that altar, that animal became identified with God. Then they'll kill the animal and drink its blood. They believe that if they'll drink the blood of that animal, they're drinking the blood of God. And if they'll drink enough of it, they will be God. Sometimes they'll take another human. They'll offer him on that altar. They'll kill him, drink his blood. The truth is this. That happened at redemption. God took his son. Remember Jesus said, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. After the same manner, he took the cup, saying, Sup, you know, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. Drink ye all of it. You see, at the new birth, we partook of his body. We partook of his blood. We came in union with God. And then our lost dominion became restored in the new birth. You are in union with God. You are in union with God. You've been made a king and you are to reign in life. Reign. You are to walk in dominion over the forces of hell. Now, do we have dominion over fellow people? We don't. We'll see that in a bit. But we have dominion over the devil. We have dominion over circumstances. We have dominion over the forces of hell. We've got dominion. We've got dominion. We've got dominion. Remember one time I was called to pray for somebody. The person was sick, had something contagious. So someone, someone told me, said, well, you better be careful, you could catch that. I said, don't bother about it, I won't. Why? Because I know that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The person that was coming with me, I said, if you are afraid that you might catch it, don't come. You, you will. You will, if you're afraid. That fear will open the door. No, I won't catch it. There was an outbreak of the bubonic plague. Sometime in South Africa, many, many years ago, over a hundred years ago, many people were dying. No, Now, it wasn't Ebola. It was something different. It was bubonic plague. You know, Ebola, it was transmitted, Ebola was transmitted through fluids, right? This one was airborne. It was airborne. You know, people were dying with this stuff, dying in their droves. John G. Lake was helping to care for the sick, bury the dead. And then the British sent a corps of doctors to come and help with that. When they came, the corps of doctors, you know, they noticed that Lake wasn't using any of their preventatives. Then they asked him, he said, aren't you afraid you could catch that stuff? He said, no, I can't, and I won't. Mm. He said, well, you might want to do a simple experiment. He was scientific. So he told them, he said, let's take the froth from the mouth of someone who just died with that plague. They did. They took it under the microscope. They saw germs moving around, you know, masses of germs moving around, motile. And he now told them, let's do this. He took his hand. You know, when someone just died of it, their mouth still, there was froth coming out. He took the froth from the mouth of someone who had died of it. Then he took his hand with that froth in his hand to the microscope. They checked it. They were dead. They marveled. What caused that? Then he told them, he said, it's called the law of the spirit of life. In christ jesus now that's not because lake was a missionary i know missionaries that have died of sickness died of malaria do you understand and those missionaries my god such a heart for people such a heart of sacrifice but you see it had to do with the amount of light they had are you listening it's a function of the new birth we have rights child of god you are not a slave you are not a slave you are not You know, people never cease to amuse me and amaze me. All this talk about ancestral cause, ancestral cause, ancestral cause. Someone was talking to me about ancestral cause one time. And I told him, I said, have you ever heard about the ancestral blessing? I said, Galatians 3.29 says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I'm Christ's. I belong to him. I'm born again. He's my Lord. I'm a seed of Abraham." Am here according to the promise, not according to the curse? Christ, Galatians 3.13, has redeemed us from the curse of the broken law of God. How? Being made a curse for us. Says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Thou might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. I'm not under the curse. I'm in the blessing. I'm in the blessing. I'm in the blessing. I'm too blessed to be cursed. Now listen. I'm not saying go and insult an older person. And say I'm not cursed. You are cursing yourself. Amen. The Bible says honor your father and your mother. Which is the first commandment we promise. That it may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. I'm not saying go and take something that is not your own and say, I'm not under a curse. Well, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. I'm not saying go and do something stupid and say I'm protected. God will tell you he didn't send you to do it. Are you listening? But even if you've done something stupid, if you've asked God to forgive you, he has forgiven you. Amen. Praise God. You see, we are redeemed from the curse. Donald G. in Donald G.'s family he was a Pentecostal pioneer. No male, none, ever lived beyond the age of 40. Yeah. If that's not what they call ancestral cause, then I don't know what cause is. No male. They never lived beyond 40. Never. No male in his family. His brother, his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, his uncle, -uncle, grand-uncle, great-uncle, great-great-grand-uncle, whatever. No male in that family lived beyond 40. And that had continued for generations. One thing always killed them. It was always a heart attack. He was 39. He was driving one day. And then he began to notice the same symptoms of the same heart attack that always killed the males in the family. And then the fear came in his face. You won't live to be 40 like they don't live to be 40. The males in your family don't live to be 40. He said immediately, remember Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. See, there were two relations that God sustained towards Israel. God was for Israel. And God was with Israel. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for us as believers in Christ. And also, He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. In Matthew 28.20, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13.5 and 6. says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Amplified Version says, I will never, I will never, I will never, three times, leave you nor forsake you. Say, so that we may boldly say, so that we may boldly say, so that we may boldly, boldly, boldly. He doesn't say, so that we may say, so that we may say boldly. Amen. The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, God is for us. God is with us. But listen, it gets better. God is in us. God is in us. God is in us. God makes his home in us. You see, there is a real incarnation in the new birth. Are you listening to me? There is a real incarnation in the new birth. Jesus was first divine. Then he became human. So Jesus in the flesh was a divine human being. The believer, the new creature in Christ Jesus was first human. Then he partook of divine nature. So he's really a human divine being. Now, we are not deity. We are not going to be deity. But we have the nature of God in us. We have divine nature in us. You know, And they always, there's always this thing about, Baba Tunde, my father that died that came back. Ye Tunde, my mother that died that came back. Someone that died that came back. Someone asked me, he said, what if my name is Babatunde, what will I do? I said, nothing. He said, why? You know, it's all about someone that died. That came. I said, yeah, somebody who died came back. His name is Jesus Christ and he's living in me. There's a real incarnation in the new birth. God is still made manifest in the flesh, in the person of the new creation. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Paul saw they still didn't get it. So he wrote them another letter. Or he wrote them in the same letter again. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, a body wasted away with sickness doesn't bring God any glory. And we are to glorify God in our bodies. There are Christians that pet their sickness. See, this is my diabetes. This is my cancer. This is my ulcer. This is my sickness. It comes every September. My friend, glorify God. Stop dishonoring God in that body. Get rid of that stuff. You've got the authority to. You've been bought with a price. The same price that bought your spirit, bought your body. You are purchased with the preciousness. The Empire Translation puts it. Well, he wrote them another letter. 2 Corinthians 6.16 It says, For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Listen up. God is dwelling in me. God is making his home in me. For me to go under, God will have to go under. For me to be defeated, God will have to be defeated. But God isn't going under. God can't go under. God can't be defeated. And that's why I won't go under. And I won't be defeated. The greater one is in me. The greater one is in me. He's in you too. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than adverse circumstances. He's bigger than the forces of darkness. And what's he doing in you? He taking it right through life excess luggage excess luggage you know you've been traveling international flight Say, so, well your limit is 23 kg say so, but it's just 23.2 and sometimes you come with 35 you know niger we know they carry last plenty plenty luggage plenty plenty. you so say you pay excess luggage such and such dollars per kilos or per kilo you know listen the holy ghost is not excess luggage the holy ghost is not a squatter who doesn't have somewhere to stay and he's just saying, my guy, I you put up in your house? So he's just putting up in our house until eternity comes. No. What is he in us then for? Why is he dwelling in us? He's in us to put us over. He's in us to make us a success. See, I haven't forgotten about Donald G. Isaiah 41, 10, all over. God is with me, so I don't have to be afraid. If you're afraid, it's because you don't know God is with you. If you know God is with you, you know, have you seen those little children? They go, they go and cause trouble. Then you want to attack them, they come and meet their daddy. Once they get to their daddy, he's like, you can't touch this. <laughs> they just come as if their daddy owns the world. You know, listen, our own daddy owns everything. And he is with us. He said, remember that. Then he remembered 1 John 4.4. You have got little children and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Said so he cast that fear out of the place. Said, "No, I'm not gonna die. No, no way. I refuse to be afraid." See, Donald G lived to be almost ninety, and it he wasn't heart trouble that killed him. He was the first one that broke that jinx. You see, eh? Ephesians 5.8 says, "Ye were sometimes darkness." It says, "But now are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. You are a child of light, for God's sake." You're in that family. You're being in that family. You are the solution. No matter what has been happening, no matter what has been running. You know, in the law, there were certain consequences for certain actions. And some of them were generational. See, God said in the law that he will ask the sin of the father from the son, from the first generation, even to the third and the fourth generation. Many of us, if your father wasn't a herbalist your father's father was. If your father's father wasn't, your father's father's father was. So we have some of that stuff. And sometimes some people who I believe mean well, they mean well. I don't believe they are bad people. That's all they like that they have. Sometimes they've seen some of these scriptures. And then they've come and said, look... If you did this, or if uh, somebody in your generation did this then, this will run for ten generations. Oh, and then some, so there are some people, maybe somebody killed somebody sometime. Maybe somebody used to uh, be the one in charge of a shrine. And then people now get scared. In Jeremiah 31, from verse 29, God said this, talking about the new covenant. He said, it will no longer be said in Israel that the fathers have eaten sour grapes." And the children's teeth are set on edge. Then he said, he said, for this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, write it in their minds. They will not have to teach any man his neighbor, say, no, the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Forget about whether your father was the devil. The truth is that your father was the devil. All of us devil was our father. Forget about whether your biological father was involved in this or not involved in that. Child of God, you are born again. Are you listening to me? Second Corinthians 5:16 says, though we have known Christ after the flesh, says but henceforth, know we no man after the flesh says for therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I was somewhere one time they we were talking about the curse of the firstborn. That Cain was the firstborn, he killed Abel. That Esau was the firstborn, he was profane, sold his birthright. That Reuben was the firstborn, slept with his father's concubine. You know, so and so was the firstborn, he did this and this. That was the firstborn, he did that and that. that if you're a firstborn, you need to do redemption of the firstborn. Have you heard that before? Now let me tell you about that redemption of the firstborn. When Israel was in... Now, I'm not calling anybody's name. Please don't call anybody's name. We don't attack people. We walk in love. Amen. We don't attack people. I don't have anybody in mind. If you do, it's your problem, not mine. Praise God. Well, when Israel was in Egypt, in Goshen, you know, there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, began to afflict them. And then God now raised Moses, told Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. God told them, he said, you see, that Israel nation, they are my firstborn, let them go. He said, no, I won't let them go. Well, there were the ten plagues. Eventually, there was the Passover. All their firstborns died. Israel, they thrust them out that night. Psalm 105 verse 37 says, God brought them forth with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. God told them to, King James says, borrow. The word actually is Ask. Not to borrow because it wasn't borrowing. They asked. God gave them favor before those people. And they gave them a lot of goodies which they were to use to build God's temple. God's tabernacle. Well, that happened. So when they now got out of Egyptian bondage, God now said, this is what I will do. I will take the, all the firstborns of Israel, whether it be of man or of animals, they are mine. Now, God now did this. He said... Rather than now taking the firstborns, let me do it like this. Let's take a tribe, the tribe of Levi, so that they will be separated to my service. So he told them, count all the Levites. Then he said, count all the firstborns. And then the differences in the count, he said, so that because I'm a just God, and God was particular about details, let uh, the extra put in such and such amount of shekels per person. So there was a, sum, a, a form of redemption of those extra persons beyond the number of the levites to come today and say that as a firstborn you need to pay a sum of money so that you'll be redeemed it doesn't it doesn't line up with the finished work of redemption is it that the blood that jesus shed was not enough now if you are even going to redeem yourself what do you think will how much money would you think would be good enough Listen, Jesus also was a firstborn. And his blood was shed once and for all. If you read in the Acts of the Apostles, you never read about a service called redemption of firstborn. So why are we putting one there? Do you understand? If you are born again, whether you are firstborn, you are lastborn, you are middleborn, you are born born, listen, the blood of Jesus was shed for you. The day you came into Christ, Satan's dominion over you ended. Satan's dominion over you ended. You are not under any curse. Eh, but I see this pattern. I see this pattern. You may see any pattern. Hmm? Regardless of whatever pattern you see or you don't see. Tell yourself, what does the word of God say? Yeah. The word of God says that when I got born again, God the Father delivered me from the authority of darkness and he translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. See, some of these things are strongholds. They are in the realm of the mind. People think wrong. And because they think wrong, they believe wrong. And because they believe wrong, they talk wrong. And their words dominate them. You know, all these years, you should be doing that deliverance. Have you been delivered? Oh, Shebi, yes. so you'll do it again next year. you do it again. I thought it should have worked. It's obvious. It's not working. The truth is this. Stop running from pillar to post. Stop taking these prophets. They will go to your hometown. They will now say you house them in hotel. After housing them in hotel, they will take, bring such and such bottle of olive oil. This one is from Jerusalem. All you should be using to eat, to to fry egg or to rub on your body or to eat salad. They will now go, they say they are going to the foundation, they are digging something. Forget about digging or no digging. What Jesus did, everything out. What Jesus did, sorted everything out. What are you trying to do again for God's sake and for crying out loud? Listen, you have been delivered from the authority of darkness. You are translated into the kingdom of God's Son. Know that. Believe that. Say that. Christ has redeemed you from the curse. You are not under the curse. You are too blessed. You see, Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel. Balaam told him, he said, I have received commandment to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He said, no one can curse him whom God has blessed. And Ephesians 1:3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us? 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 You are the blessed, the ready God. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.